welcome to Maddie's Mental Health Podcast, aiming to spread awareness on mental health by sharing the real life stories. Morrison Machiavelli is here today. How are you doing, Morrison? Feeling excellent, vibrant. I got my smoothie here. I got my coffee. I got my water. I'm set for the morning. I love it, dude. You got all, all the liquids. Exactly. Got it. Ready, ready to go. That's it. Precisely. How are you doing this morning? Doing well, man. Doing well. I think it's uh, I think it's a little colder than it is where you are. So you're in Los Angeles, California, right? Yes, I am in sunny Los Angeles. Fortunately, I am not dealing with the cold, but I I know the cold. I'm from Minneapolis, so I've had oh, a lot yeah. of food in the past. I tend to deviate from that these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Towards the sunshine. Yeah, yes. it's like minus five here, but we're surviving. So you're doing a lot of cool things, Morrison. Why don't you give a little intro to uh, sort of what you're doing? Thank you. So um, I am an active hip hop artist, producer, mentor in Los Angeles. Not only am I working with uh, my own music, but I'm working with youth all across LA um, and beyond, but primarily Los Angeles. So as an artist, I am in the process of releasing a lot of new music. Everything is starting to open back up. So getting out, performing. But within my exploration of hip hop, of the music, of the culture, I've found that it's liberated me to a great extent. It's helped me become the person who I want to be, as well as help me make life choices that has offered me perspective to create the person who I've become. Um, so with that, I've always wanted to be able to offer the opportunity to pay or take advantage of the opportunity to pay it forward. So I've been doing that here in Los Angeles and before that Minneapolis, I started out volunteering with youth in Minneapolis, working in juvenile detention centers there in the Hennepin County Juvenile Detention Center. Here I work in uh, juvenile halls and camps, the quote unquote justice facilities. And we've created our own community center to work with youth here to mentor the youth and young adults. A lot of the youth who have been justice impact, have been justice involved or are at risk within the communities in Los Angeles and surrounding areas. So uh, so yeah, as a, uh, as a Zulu member, Kalafia Zulu member, um, deep in the culture of hip hop or working to be a supportive member of hip hop and trying to have a deep understanding of the culture of hip hop. Um, I want to be able to, connect the culture and build bridges to sort of connect the new and old. And I do that not only with that, but I want to do the same thing with the music, um, with the way that I approach my, my art, with the way that I deliver the content. I, I want to be able to, of course, create that modern music that people love and want to hear and feel, but also have bridges to the past to connect that lyricism. And a lot of the stuff that I hold okay. dear that has helped connect me so closely with hip hop and uh, and is binded so deeply with my soul. Wow, that's that's awesome, man! You're doing a lot of good stuff. Um, Thank you. Where did this all start for you? Like, wh how did you get into hip hop? How did you like you mentioned how it it helped you? I think that's really cool. Uh, by the way, you mentioned it helped you become the person that you wanted to be. How did yeah. that process go for you? I feel like when I was a young person and we're going back to when I was like 14, 15 years old, like half of my life ago, I didn't really feel that I fit in anywhere. 
and I still have some I still have some parallel with that to a certain extent and I found comfort in that and I think hip-hop has helped me do that with that I identified with a lot of what I would hear in the music because I went to a really good high school for example really good elementary school really good middle school but we were on the outskirts we were in a trailer park like in the suburbs right outside of Northside Minneapolis and uh, I grew up with my grandparents they were scrappers uh, my parents who are in an excellent place now they were in a really bad place in their life before I love my parents I have a great relationship with them today I've always had a, a great relationship with them although there's been challenges um, there was there was a lot going on within my youth and I needed I needed escapes and I needed things that I could relate with things that made me feel like I was in a space that was not so foreign from the life that was around me and what I would see when I would go to high school or what I would see in different families and different people so hip-hop gave me that it, it was a vehicle for me to be able to realize that there's there's a whole other world out there and there's a lot going on um and and yeah and it was it was that so when you say foreign do you mean like foreign to you isn't like your environment at home was so much different than the environment uh, at school and, and other families things like that yeah, it feels like a different world you know what i mean um and i mean to the extent to like I, I had early experience with Japan when I was a young adult, going to Japan, living in Japan. And uh, I, the, the, my relationship from, with my relationship with my home life and my life at school and how, how far different they were, I could relate it to that. It felt very different going to school and being around the people that I was with in school and then going home. And effectively within the community, being around tweakers, you know, meth heads and like all these different characters and these were people who I would associate as my community. And, uh, and because of that, I feel like I have a different relationship with, with people in general. And I appreciate and I respect that. Um, but hip hop helped me navigate it. It helped me make sense of it. It created some sense of uh, just understanding that it's not, you know, this, this world that I live in at home is not just exclusive to this you know, 0.25 mile radius or block square that is the trailer park. Right, right. It's all over the world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we're talking, and for those who may not relate, we're talking about a time when you couldn't just hop on the internet and see everything. Mm, like, right. this is, I had a pager at this time. You know, I'm, I'm 12, 13 years old. And uh, I remember getting my first BlackBerry at 15, like, and I worked for my stuff. I didn't get all this shit handed to me. But with that being said, it's like, it wasn't the way that any listeners may conceive it today if you're in a younger, you're in a younger age group, you know? <laughs> yeah, different time for sure. Rocking the pager. Yeah, yeah. Can't just hop on, hop on Facebook, check out what other people are doing or hop on anything. Instagram, TikTok. Exactly. We can go, we can look at different uh, worlds, different nations, different places that are impoverished that um, have a lot of parallels that we may experience in places that we may experience in a place like Minneapolis, uh, in the suburbs of Minneapolis, that we may experience in a place like Detroit, Michigan, or any of these other places. Um, but back in the day, it's very different when you live in a place like 
you know, here, if you live, if you live around South Central or if you go to Skid Row and then you go a couple blocks over downtown or you go to Beverly Hills, right. it's, it's parallel. It's, it's uh, unmatched when, when you start to see around the world what it's like and how different it can be just within a small vicinity. Two different worlds. I've heard there's like, a, I think I heard that it's like very much like that in, uh, in LA. Like there'll be like people kind of camped out and then there'll be like million dollar mansions like down the street. Yeah, it's Things a trip. like that. The trip is like that in my community. I live over, I live in Hollywood and the homeless right on the block, right next door is, you know, right around the block for me is Dream. It's a major hotel. You know, you've got like exotic cars and all that all the time. Uh, top end people, top end lifestyles. Right next door, you have people in tents, you know, limitless. Right. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of people out here. Where did, um, so when did you start getting into hip hop? Uh, was it around that time? Like middle teens or late teens or whatever? Yeah, I think I sold my first, uh, or sorry, I wrote my first rap at uh, like 13, 12, something like that. And then I made my first EP, LP, like my first short project uh 2008 or 2007 so like 16 17 at the time and that was like windows movie maker like <laughs> we were like improvising with production and pulling stuff together really really low quality but i i felt like this urgency to express myself and get stuff out and uh, i was it was a big dive into this world that i've been creating in my mind to make sense of everything around me All right and what was your journey after that? You mentioned like you, so you put that out. Do you, you keep, how, do, what was the reaction to that? Do you keep putting stuff out? Do you keep creating? Yeah, yeah, it was cool. I wish I still had it. Um, I, I made like a hundred CDs, sold them all. I probably had two or three somewhere floating around that I wish I could find. And, uh, and then I, I went into the military and the first thing I did when I got out of my training out of boot camp in the Marine Corps was bought a laptop. And immediately during my combat training, I was at the end of every day in my footlocker, in my, uh, in my locker, like with my laptop recording on the computer mic with headphones and starting my next projects. So I created a couple projects within that first year. And I was really focused on like, I would like if I could go back and tell myself anything, it'd be focused on quality. But I was really focused on just getting my thoughts out and getting out all of this stuff that was going on in my head because I was making sense of a lot of things. And I feel like I just had to process a lot of it. And for me, in a lot of ways, for a long time, music has been my therapy and it's been the only way that I could process things. Do you think like was a lot of that coming out? Like a lot of the a lot of the feelings you've been having, a lot of these the I guess maybe struggles, a lot of the things that you had experienced, was that coming out like in the lyrics? It was um, in, a, in a way, and I will say in the way that I was writing very abstract. I had this revelation when my, when my grandmother passed in, I believe it was 2015, um, right around that time. Uh, she always told me that she wanted to hear my music on the radio. So I'm gonna bring this full circle. Um, I used to write, very as i said abstract very metaphorical 
so all of the stuff that I was writing way back when it makes a lot of sense to me but normally it was it was not very grounded lyrically like other people probably couldn't follow as closely and I could explain those bars um it's some real like nerd rap stuff people could break it down but uh now when I write after her passing I write a lot more clearly in the way that I'm making music for other people not only for myself and for a long time not that I didn't want other people to relate and gravitate with it but it was music for myself it was music that really only I can understand to the fullest extent and it would take a lot for other people to break down those lyrics and break down that content sounds like you were doing it for you yeah, I was. I was for a long, long time. And only for the past four years um, have, have, has it been like that I'm doing it for, for everyone. You know, now I feel like I'm doing it for my community. I'm doing it for the people around the world who can relate with what, I'm, what I have to say and my story and my experience, because I feel like it has weight and meaning. And I think all of our stories have weight and meaning. Um, I just want to be able to, to share what I have and anybody who may relate with it, anybody who may be able to identify with the experiences and things that I've gone through in any way, shape or form. That's why I do what I do. And it, it sounds like you had these thoughts like early on to, to be able to give back and, and want to give back. <clears throat> it sounds like from a young age. Yeah. I, well, I feel like I had revelations or I had these, these clarifying moments in the military where it was like, I, I never deployed or anything like that, but I had a lot of time to sit back and like focus on things. And I went deep down the rabbit hole of conspiracies and all this stuff of like understanding history and questioning things and this and that. It came out the other side. And when I came back, it was like, okay, well, what am I gonna do? So I became involved with a lot of social activism. Um, there was a lot going on in Minneapolis. There still is a lot going on in Minneapolis. And there was, a lot of areas for me to learn and, and become involved. And that's what I did uh, in my community there. I became involved with, uh, with Zulu Nation at the time, which became Zulu Union or our, um, our organization that stemmed from Zulu Nation became Zulu Union. And I felt like I really just wanted to, uh, I wanted to do my homework and take, on the responsibility of being able to understand enough about the culture and give back a lot before sort of stepping in and voicing my own thoughts and experiences and stuff like that. So, so yeah. Right. <clears throat> what would you say like, what would you say is the biggest thing you learned? Like, it sounds like you've done a lot of studying on, on the culture and potential problems in the culture. What, I mean, I'm sure that you've learned a lot since then. What, what do you think was the biggest thing that you've learned? Um, well, speaking, speaking of hip hop culture specifically, um, I, I've just seen it as mostly a vessel in which we can communicate and tell stories authentically. Um, globally, if we're looking at like greater culture and we're looking at um, things that we can all identify with, I've learned that most of the things that we experience, most of the problems that we have are not isolated. In some way, shape or form, we can all relate with one another. 
And that's that's spoken deeply to me throughout all of this. Um, but within within everything that I've experienced most recently, I feel like the biggest thing that I have to take away is like, we're always learning and moving forward, we always have something to gain from the people around us. I learn more from the young people I work with than I've learned from teachers and um, different pillars in educational communities that I've been involved with, uh, mentors, stuff like that. So I've learned to not discount the people around me and I don't feel like I've ever done that greatly, but you really have to appreciate what everybody has to offer because you may not know what it is until that moment when it happens. And uh, it's like in the city, for example, and in a lot of major cities, you don't know who people are. And a lot of people don't know who they are even within a certain time. And you have to be able to identify each person's power and each person's ability to sort of carve out their story and be who they are and cultivate it to whatever extent that you can and you know try to support people. So I try to support everybody around me. And if people are not supporting me and if they're not in that same mindset in that same sphere, then it may mean that they're not the people who are meant to be around me, but it's all love, it's all respect, it's all peace. It's just, you know, you have to surround yourself with people who are who are aligning with that same mindset and who are helping you live and be happy and be healthy. And that's been a, a deep learning process for me over the last year or two. Okay. I think that's really awesome, man. Like just what you said about like, often people don't know who they are. And like you mentioned, young people, I think that's very common for young people and even like, you know, older people. Um, just because you're older doesn't necessarily mean you know who you are. Yeah, um, no doubt. I think that's really cool. Like giving them the space and supporting them and, and finding that out and carving that out. And I think it's really interesting how different that can look for different people. Like there's no like step one, step two, step three. It's very interesting. Yes, I feel that most definitely. And, uh, and even <clears throat> coming to that moment to realize that like, we all, we all have an impact on each other, right? It takes a lot. It takes a lot to, to be able to come to that, come to that position. Yeah. So after you, you leave the military, um, and you start volunteering and how does that go? It was great. Um, I was learning a lot. I was learning about myself. I was learning about my impact on others and, uh, started to step more into the sphere of performing in Japan. I started to learn how to perform. That's where I really started to hone my craft in that way. And then Minneapolis performing and really starting to experience that. And I don't feel like in Minneapolis, I was able to really jump into a position where I was super comfortable with myself. I think LA did that for me a lot. And I seen LA do that with my brother, Trey. And, uh, and that, that was something that drew me to coming here and, doing what I've done, um, doing the work here. <clears throat> but, uh, but yeah, I think that one of, the, one of the things that I found most challenging and I had to come to terms with was this, uh, this dependency, codependency that I had with women, whether it was um, within intimate relationships or within 
short-term relationships that I would create different flings and stuff like that. And a lot of that stemmed from challenges that I had with my mother at an early age, challenges that I had with my grandmother and coming to terms with those things. It was, it was a huge part of healing and learning more about myself and conditioning my mental health to be able to help me move forward. What was that process like? I imagine that was not an easy process. No, it's, it, it wasn't an easy process and it isn't an easy process in many ways. I mean, I was a mess then when I look back, I mean, there were great moments and there were very difficult moments and challenging moments. And I think we can all relate with that in our own ways um, with our challenges. But uh, I like I had one major relationship where I was I was a father, I was a provider um, and I was working with my partner. We had her daughter and we were raising her and it was a lot. It was a lot to take on. It was a great opportunity and experience. And I cherish that memory in those moments. And I'm still close with her today to a, to a limited capacity um, with the mother, with my ex-girlfriend. But that experience taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about myself. It taught me a lot about who I could be at my best, who I can be at my worst. And it gave me a lot of insight. So when I moved forward from Minnesota and I came here, um, I was able to avoid a lot of those patterns and, and start to get to that next level of what do I want with life and how do I want to move forward with my relationships with women? So it's cool. You know, at the time it's very traumatic and difficult, but it's these experiences that help shape us. And life is going to be what it is to many degrees, but it's how we deal with these things. And those that's what is going to ultimately shape us to be who we are. Right. <clears throat> I think I mentioned it on uh, one of these podcasts before, but um, I heard like uh, one of the, one of a coach um, that I work with talk about this. It was like, we experience growth in the process of, of processing things. So like something bad will happen and then, um, you know, you get sad or whatever the case may be. And then there's that um, time after where you process it. And that's the time where the growth comes. It's like, you can just decide to like, you know, go downhill, like, you know, start drinking every day or, you know, that's just an example, but, or you can like process it and it can completely change your life. Yeah. Yeah. Therapy has been such a, such a potent thing for me within the last uh, like six to eight months. I received healthcare from the organization that I work with. I work with an organization called Joe Guitar Doors and I came on as staff with this center, with the CAPO facility, Community Arts Programming Outreach Facility here in Los Angeles. Um, with that opportunity right away, the opportunity of healthcare, I knew that I wanted to seek to seek uh, mental health and uh, therapy. So, <clears throat> excuse me. With that, I started to dive deep into traumas and then I was in a one-year relationship that was severed. And uh, within that, I, you know, I was kind of deep back into this, uh, this moment of, of like a depressive state. And I had to come to terms with a lot of the stuff that a lot of the trauma that was underlying and a lot of the issues that I have and challenges that I have to deal with. And a lot of that came to surface. 
and I was I'm in therapy so I'm dealing with a lot of this stuff head on to where previously I may have just put it aside and I'm not the type of person who um who dives into a bottle or does drugs or anything like that for dealing with stuff like this um but uh but I'll quickly dive into women um especially in you know in in those spaces um so I'm I'm glad to say I didn't do that I mean I have had uh encounters with women and and you know very intimate uh relationships short-term relationships and connections but I could say that they're genuine um to whatever extent they may have developed and uh and I, I cherish these they aren't like some short flings that I feel shameful of or anything like that whereas when I was much younger that's something that I could identify with I'm talking like high school years stuff like that so uh so yeah I think that's that's been it's been a powerful <laughs> place um from that uh, you seem very um you seem very open about all this like um You seem very open about all this and like you're actively working on it and helping others work on similar things. I think in the, in the position that we are in within open, within uh, as a, as a musician or as um a commenter as a host of a podcast, something like that. To a certain extent, we have to be open or we have to be able to uh, to share our experiences or have, you know, create opportunity for others to share their experiences. So I just feel like I've been through a lot in a very short amount of time. And I think there's a lot here that people can relate with. And a lot of people see my story. And four years ago, they saw my story and saw me living in my vehicle. And that was something I chose to come to Los Angeles and be able to do what I do rather than stay in Minnesota, save a bunch of money, come here and uh, thug it out that way. I thought, okay, cool. I'm gonna stay in my vehicle. I'm gonna park next to the gym, use the, the facilities there. And it's, it's, very, it's very easy for people to hop on and be like, oh, you're so lucky you get all these opportunities. You've done this, you've done that. But I've spent many, many years honing my craft and, and doing things that um that many people would consider to be a waste of time and that's what allows me the opportunity to do what i do today so the reason why i'm so open and articulate about the experiences that i have and the experiences that i go through is because at any point in time somebody may be able to identify with it and it may help them get to where they want to be they may see something that inspires them um, because I am very blessed, but I've also done a lot to create the life that I have around me. So when people say stuff like, like, oh, you're so lucky, you have this, you have that, you get to sleep in, you get to do that. It's like, these are simple things that I've set up in my life because this is the way that I want to live. And where I'm at um, and where I've been, I've always, I've always wanted freedom. Freedom is very important to me. And having that freedom is, is, it, it means everything. So honesty, honesty is something that I feel has helped me get to this point and vulnerability, all of it. And also embracing discomfort because we grow when we are uncomfortable. Growing right. pains are real. Yeah. 
it hurts life yeah if you're comfortable you're not growing no doubt yeah with the lucky thing too is like that saying uh the harder i work the luckier i get what's that Did you ever hear that saying uh the harder i work the luckier i get <laughs> yeah i haven't heard that saying but yeah that's that's the truth just like you know so you you go to la living in your car and then you kind of work your ass off it sounds like to get to where you are yeah and uh just like it's really positioning yourself a lot of people i don't think a lot of people get it like you can't just stay in the same spot and get things done example last night i'm not i don't I don't drink, so I don't really go out to bars and clubs unless I have a purpose, unless there's a reason, there's something to celebrate, there's something to do. Um, and if I'm going out with people and it's a little more weighted than me just going to a bar club. So I take a little stroll up and down Hollywood Boulevard. I go buy some coconut water and I, I just post up in front of my apartment stand, sitting on my motorcycle and a couple of dudes walk up and just confront me on the bike like in a, in a positive way like oh I dig the motorcycle uh I, my homie's thinking about getting a similar model he wants a cruiser I have a he said he has a sport bike and we started building on that note one of them asked me you do music yeah of course sure we start connecting on that note um it didn't take a lot for me to position myself to network and meet people who uh, I've checked out their music and it's great you know what I mean I've checked out what they do and it seems to be very insightful so Sometimes positioning yourself means just going outside, but right. a lot of people right. don't step outside like that. You know what I mean? And this could be as much of a metaphor as it is very literal of just go outside. And that's yeah. very, very small example, but that's what's offered me the opportunities that I have here is going outside. And a lot of the greatest opportunities that I have just come from me just going out. You know, if, if you sit in your room all the time and you don't get out and create community i don't know what's gonna happen yeah as like that other saying like nothing happens sitting on the couch nothing happens on the couch nothing good happens on the couch except for this except for this yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unless you're doing a podcast that's good exactly all the good stuff happens right here sir <laughs> yeah um no but i think that's yeah that's good advice i think and, and like for i think too going back to like the authenticity the honesty like I think that's a big part of it too. Like if you're just going out, you're sitting on your motorcycle, you're drinking a coconut water, you've like no expectations. You're going to talk to anybody. You're just hanging out. And then you talk to some people you didn't even know they did music or anything. That just came organically. I think that's a big part of it too. It's like, um, it's just, you just got to be organic and like, it's like, uh, opening yourself up for opportunities. Yeah. It, it. I think the biggest thing is like, you know, going back to, to what you mentioned as well, that authenticity, very important. And in cities like Los Angeles, it's not exclusive to Los Angeles, but in cities like Los Angeles, it's very easy to find people who are lost in a certain sense of inauthenticity, right? They feel very compelled to be something that they're not. And I don't want to create the idea that we can't be the version of this of self that we are striving to be because you know i pride myself in becoming who i wanted to be but the fake it till you make it mentality only goes so far in that way mm. um we don't want to be completely inauthentic to where we're at or who we are anything like that 
Um, and a lot of people feel like they just create that image of success or anything like that um, to that extent, you know, wearing flashy stuff or doing this or doing that. And they forget about the priorities and the foundation that needs to be built. Um, and I'm here working with a lot of youth trying to remind them that I work with kids and, uh, you know, some of these kids get their EBD loans and stuff like that and all this crazy stuff. And what did they do rather than take that capital and invest in assets and create opportunities? A lot of kids went out and bought shoes and chains and clothes and this and that because you want to look successful. But looking successful doesn't mean anything if you're not able to reap the benefits of what comes with a strong foundation where you can actually be able to have that stuff as, as a product of your success, you know? Right. So, so yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think it's very important to have that level of, of authenticity and surround yourself with people who have that level of authenticity. So if I go out and I'm trying to meet people, it's gotta be on an authentic tip for sure. It, right. Is that a, so is that like a common loan? Is, is it like, as you say, EDD loan? <clears throat> So uh, EDD loan here uh, in the U.S. An EDD loan is a it was a economic development. I don't remember what the acronym is. Economic disaster development something. It was the uh, response to COVID nineteen. It was a business loan. So you know these are fraudulent loans being taken out. Um, and and uh, I don't fault these kids for doing that because I probably would have done the same thing at the time. Like somebody tells me, well, I can get you this loan. But yeah, it's definitely a fraudulent loan. They're getting like $20,000 loans that are going to be forgiven if they're not flagged. Um, and I hope that these kids don't get flagged, but a lot of people are going to be flagged for these fraudulent ADD loans because they're business loans for economic disaster relief during the pandemic. But, uh, but you know, even if you do take them out illegally and you do this stuff, not that I'm not that I'm uh, saying it's a good idea and take advantage of it. You know what I mean? Do something yeah. <laughs> like yeah. but not a lot have, uh, have been so insightful to be able to do so. And it's not really my position to speak on because I'm not asking about stuff like that, you know? Yeah. I think that's, I think it's interesting. It's like, uh, I think on some level, it's like a human trait, the, like the, it's like wanting the the prize without the the work most definitely i mean because we don't see the work yeah we see the, of the work and that's one of the reasons why i feel it's so important for me to tell my story and be so authentic because i want people to see the work and it may not be so glamorous i could i feel like i could have propelled myself a lot further already if i was just out here flashing and showing all that and it's not as if i don't do that type of stuff it's just i don't need to do that in front of the lens all the time because it is this authenticity, it is this vulnerability, and it is the story that will attract the people who need to be here, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, rather than just the people who flock because of the prize. And the prize mm. is not in the pudding, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's like, uh, like longevity too. Like if you have like a message that's real, authentic to you, and you're like 100% yourself, I think that resonates especially long term with uh, like i just you know just maybe it's my own perspective but i think it's like well that's like a lifetime fan versus like a person that's like oh this is shiny that's like a new rapper that's cool and then 
but like someone that you really connect to, you connect to their music, connect to their art, connect to who they are as a person. That's like a, it's like a lifetime fan. For sure. And we're creating community. And when we're talking about things like mental health and we're talking about growing um, as a human, this is not limited to one period of our lives. And it mm -hmm. took me wisdom to get to this point as, as a man, you know what I mean? So now I feel like I've gotten to the point where, where I'm very, very comfortable within being able to share my story and build at that level. But it took a lot of time. It took a lot of effort. Right. So how did that go? Like you come, you mentioned you come to LA um, and, and you live in your car for a while. Like, was there ever a point, I'm curious, like, were you number one questioned this, like, what the fuck am I doing? Um, or like, maybe even, maybe even like outside doubts. I, I'm just thinking about like the things that can come up for like, you know, for the young kid that wants to do it or the, yeah, someone who wants to do something like this. I think for, for anybody trying to follow a career in any sort of creative discipline, um, authenticity is the biggest thing, but also being able to define your story and being able to put it in a package is very important. And it takes time to be able to consider that. How are you going to brand your authenticity? When we're talking about marketing and being able to translate all this into something that is relative to business, it becomes a different monster. It becomes something far more difficult for people with a natural mind like mine. So we're talking about uh, being able to take that creative discipline from an artistic side and translate that to an artistic business side. It's, it's a totally different position. So I think that's something to consider and that's something to have in mind before you start to really put yourself out there and you know get to that next level. I guess, Morrison, like, did you ever have any, any doubts about the path that you were on? Because um, I think that, like, and maybe you experienced this with, like, young kids. And, you know, I'm sure everybody's experienced this on some level. Like, you just, like, you know, is this the right path? Like, should I be following this path? Or, you know, I think just the doubts that humans have where they're, like, that voice in your head that's like, I don't know if I can do this. I do. I think, um, and when, when I do have these doubts, when I feel doubtful or when I feel like I'm not meeting up to standard of where I should be or who I want to be or where I want to be, I try to remind myself that I overwhelmingly feel confident with where I am. And if I, like, if I lay out a timeline and I look at, where I've been and I try to have a relative comparison about when I feel confident or when I feel that I'm doing well or when I put it on a scale, I am more so feeling the opposite. You know, I'm feeling like I'm confident about what I'm doing and everything I'm doing is going in the right direction. And there are periods of my life where I may have felt differently and I may have felt the scales were weighing in favorably in that way. But the more that I 
am able to cultivate a healthy lifestyle. And I say this in a, in a physical way, as well as in, in, in respect to uh, my mental health, like, like the smoothies every single day, smoothie, this is, this is half of my daily smoothie. This is probably less than half of my daily smoothie. It's like a full food processor and uh, taking my vitamins and exercising six to seven days a week. Like these are things that help my product, my productivity and my mental health and everything to the greatest extent. So if I'm feeling like I'm not um, living up to standard and if I have a lot of doubts and stuff like that, the first thing I'm gonna do is question if I'm living right, you know, within any given period or time and what is throwing me off. And usually I can make excuses for why I'm feeling off rather than allow it to tear me down. And, and I've found different ways to, to cope with, with, uh, with those challenges that are healthy. You know, yes, like yesterday, for example, I wasn't feeling like hopeless or, 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 or uh, in, a, in a bad spot necessarily, but I was feeling a little off. Like I didn't, I didn't want to, uh, to like call friends and hang out or do anything like that. So I just walked around Hollywood a little bit and I ended up, you know, like I said, sitting on my motorcycle and meeting some cool people. And it's, it's stuff like that. We find different mechanisms to be able to, uh, when we find different mechanisms to be able to, to uh, channel our energies to constructive ways of, of deviating from negative feelings or um, the setbacks that are associated with those doubts. I feel that we can, we can come out of those places into a better spot a lot more quickly and effectively. So I think that's, those are some exercises, like for example, that, that taking a walk exercise, like it's helped me a lot for sure from, right. from that. But the, I mean, it's all relative and it's all important, right? So the, as an artist, especially, and I can't, I can speak for self with this, is like this roller coaster is important and the highs and the lows. And I've had super depressed moments and it's like thinking about the, the idea of taking an antidepressant and just going to this, like that's, that's a scary thing. That's more scary than the lows. I don't want to lose the highs, even if it means the lows are there the highs are everything so i'm going to focus on uh glass half empty you know what i mean um and i'm going to work on filling that glass and keeping it as close to full as possible and enjoying everything in between right right i think that takes like a certain level of awareness too which i'm sure like um you've learned over time and that we all learn over time is like you know, even you mentioned yesterday, you feel a little bit off and you just decide to take a walk by yourself. Whereas like, you know, sometimes before you're really aware and in tune with yourself, you might just like force yourself to go with your friends. You don't want to be there. And then kind of creates this experience where it's like, you didn't really take care of yourself. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that stood out to me, I don't know where I heard this or where it was realized, but making your weaknesses your strengths. I mean, that was always a very strong point for me. So even in my youth, it's talking about like, what do we call it? Like, uh, like uh, just uh, economics and like just getting into sales and different things. 
just associating with with those around us and being able to build relationships i that's something that i wasn't necessarily good with i'm not i'm not a natural social being like i don't i i'm the type of person where it's much more natural for me to sit alone or be around a very small group of people but when i tell people i'm a professional extrovert but i'm naturally introverted they don't believe it because i've become very good at projecting this extrovert uh energy and essence but in reality i've turned that into a strength with discipline and just a lot of experience you know so i think that's important as an important way to be able to get to that level yeah i think like it goes back to the work right like it's really all just like um I'm a coach, so I'm really into this stuff, but it's really all just like the um, atomic habits, the small habits, the things that you do every day, the the small, like, you're not, a, you're not a good extrovert. So it's like, what's like the first thing you could do that would be starting down that path of like trying or like learning. And then you do that and then do a little bit each day and then you get a little bit better. And then, yeah. you know, you're the man you are today or you're a professional extrovert performing. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cool. Um, I like, I, my friend Trey, I mentioned him earlier, uh, because of his growth with coming to California, but he does something now that strikes me first strike me as very odd, but now when I'm having challenges, I find myself doing the same thing. And what it is, is when he finds himself procrastinating or as if he's not doing something, uh, well relative to the time it takes, uh, I, I found him counting out loud on how long it's taking him to do the task. So he'd be doing something as as minor as like cleaning something and he'll just count one, two, three, you know, that took 10 seconds. In our minds, we think, oh, shoot, this is gonna take, gonna take me so long to do. Usually it doesn't take as long as we think. And even if it does, it's not as painful as we may believe. So that counting out loud thing, it was, it was very odd to me at first, but I found it as an effective tool to deal with procrastination. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. It's like doing the dishes. You distract yourself for an hour, look at your phone. You don't want to do it. And then they're done with those dishes in like 10 minutes. Exactly. Uh, social media is a, is such a tool, but also such a device of deviance, you know, take us off our path real quick. <laughs> yeah, for sure. hundred um, percent. What has your experience been like um, working with kids? Like what? I mean, you mentioned like with the money, like managing, uh, helping them manage money or like trying to um, uh, mentor them a little bit with that. Like, what, what do you think, um, what has been the, the biggest things you try to help them with? And um, I guess like the struggles. I think the biggest thing is like, if we think of our life as, as a street or as a road and we're just cruising, there may or may not be stoplights, there may or may not be intersections and these different junctions in which we have the opportunity to pivot, go a different direction. Sometimes it may just be a lane change that gets you closer to that left turn. Sometimes it may be um, a U-turn, makes you go the other direction and revisit some trauma, revisit some different experiences. But for me, it's like, I'm not trying to change your journey. I'm not trying to influence you to the extent that 
you need to do something inauthentic to the direction that you feel you need to go or you want to go. I don't want to change that projection or that trajectory. However, if I can enable you to see something within yourself that considers um, a more broad path or a different direction, whatever it may be, that's the approach that I want to come with. So within our work, within what we do, a lot of it is allowing youth to express themselves, especially the work that we do inside. So when we go inside of juvenile halls, camps, detention centers, go inside of parks, schools, community centers, all these different places, we meet young people and they all have very different trajectories, very different paths. So finding that common ground and being able to help them tell their story to process a lot of their experiences and also be able to illuminate where they want to be in many ways. It, it's, uh, it's important for them to come to a place where they find comfort and they're able to reach authenticity. So really helping people tell their authentic story and be their authentic self is important to me. And it's easy to become, it's easy to deviate from that when you associate so deeply with different organizations um, such as gangs, when you uh, associate your life so deeply with different communities and with certain lifestyles and this and that, because it may be all that you know, but we are all far more than the things that we've done or the experiences that we've had as humans and as beings on this plane and this existence. Um, if we are all defined by the best or worst thing that we've done, it limits so much opportunity for us to be able to do so much more within our communities and do so much more for our loved ones and those around us. So just enabling that, that growth and these considerations and all, all the stuff that I mentioned is the approach that I take within the way that I work with the youth. So it isn't so direct as like, we want to, and, and this, these are also different areas that we're working on. It's like, we're gonna help you manage your money. We're gonna help you do this, do that. The community center is built to bring in different people to help enable a lot of those hard and soft skills. Um, my work directly is to work alongside the youth in between and help them navigate all of that and just be supportive and help them create the artwork and everything that I feel really helps to keep them keep them grounded and keep them a part of everything that we're doing here. Cause we get youth who come in with the idea of being a rap star or a film producer or something like that. And they want to do that. And in between, we may give them other skills that can help them get career opportunities and job opportunities and all this. And we're not doing that to pull them away from their dreams or their aspirations, ambitions, but we want to create opportunity, not only that enables them to change the trajectory of their life because it's very easy you know you're out in the streets and you're doing this and that you can get a dead-end job and make ten dollars an hour twelve dollars an hour or you can go do some hood shit and be able to buy everything that you see everybody having and you know you couldn't make that in two weeks or a month working that dead-end job but you could easily come up very quickly doing some other stuff so being able to offer real career opportunities and real money opportunities legally 
is a big thing here. And we can do that with this center. We know people in, in the industry, one out of six jobs are in the entertainment industry in Los Angeles. So here it's a lot easier than it may be in other places. Not to say people can't get carpentry jobs and construction jobs and things like that. We wanna offer those opportunities as well with this place. Um, but keeping them grounded with their music and keeping them grounded with their artistic abilities is a huge, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an asset to keep them grounded. And that's where I wanna be able to focus a lot of this and um, helping with exposure and different things in the future. Um, we're exploring different ways to be more effective and really grow community within this space. So that's how I feel I can be instrumental and I am being instrumental within the trajectory of the lives of the youth and the young people, the young adults that we work with. That's beautiful, man. Thank you. I think it's been a, this is a long time coming. It's a, it feels beautiful. <laughs> it sounds like you're kind of like, you know, shining like a light or just showing like, you know, there's, there's more that you're capable of. There's more you can do. There's a better way to live. Yeah. Because a lot of the ways that people consider don't work. You know what I mean? It's like rapper here, um, a rapper here by the name of Draco, the ruler, for example, he became famous, you know, he has a song with Drake um, and became very well known, especially in LA. A lot of kids emulate his style, rap like him. And then he got stabbed or he got murdered recently. And it goes to show like, yeah, you can become super successful. You can become financially uh, successful. You can be respected, all of that, even on a global scale. But if you don't separate yourself and change your trajectory, then all of that is at risk consistently. So if we can find ways to be able to motivate the youth to attack the issue systematically, then we'll be able to make a lot more effect than trying to challenge their way of life or challenge the conditions, or sorry, challenge the product of the conditions which create what we see. We have to go after the conditions. And Chicago hip hop really, really illuminated the situation very well for me because a lot of people would criticize drill rap and hip hop from Chicago because it's very violent, it's very graphic, and uh, and it can be difficult for a lot of people to hear. It can be difficult for me to hear when we're talking about something so so uh, so graphic, as I said. And uh, it's not the the music that that is so difficult to hear. It's the reality that this is what's going on. So we want to crucify the messenger, right? This is real, this is the reality that people experience. So it's important that people have the opportunity to be authentic and share their experiences and tell us what's going on. If we simply cut them off from being able to share their story, then we're never gonna be able to know and we're never going to be able to support them in being able to heal their communities. And that's important to me. It's important for me to be able to help people share their story in that way. Right. It kind of reminds me of like the uh, like NWA back in the day. That was a big thing. It was like all the censoring and it's like, we're just telling our reality. Exactly. Um, and I think NWA is important in that way. And a lot of it can be lost. A lot of their impact can be lost outside of Los Angeles. I feel here, 
it's seen a lot differently, especially with elders who grew up with NWA or people who dive more deeply in the history. They understand the impact that NWA had. But also it created this idea like NWA, none of them were really hard gangsters. I mean, even Eazy-E, to my knowledge, was, I mean, he was in the streets, but he wasn't like, he wasn't a killer. Like a lot of the kids that I work with have been put in the situation where they, you know, they may have done very grotesque things that are very difficult for many people to process. Um, but uh, NWA went around and you hear a lot of rappers from different places in the country say, we were scared when they came to our town, you know, because like the stuff they rap about, like, is this real? But it wasn't, you know, they fabricated a lot of stuff and it, it, maybe they didn't fabricate it to the extent that it wasn't real. It wasn't something that was happening, but it wasn't their life, you know, and a lot of it may have been dramatized at the point where it was like, they make it sound like a lot of this stuff happens all the time. But this created, or I would say it helped encourage where it is happening more frequently. And I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to blame hip hop for that, um, but it's also interesting we have to we have to be we have to be coherent and we have to take responsibility for the things that we say and the reality that we project and a lot of I think a lot of youth need to come to realize that if we're talking about killing our ops and you know doing this all the time this is all we're talking about that's going to be the reality that we have and it is the reality that is existing today but you know what comes first the chicken or the egg um, yeah. i think the community or the uh the reality is what it is, but at a certain point, you have to be able to shift the consciousness and start to influence a change. So I'm not saying the music created the condition that we have. I think there's a lot of different factors that are far more important than the music. The music is documenting what's going on, but the music can definitely influence a change and it can definitely influence um, things, things going in a different direction. So that's, that's something I want to help the youth realize is like, yo, your, your words and your impact, the, the things that you say can have a great impact on the community and the people around you. So you may want to consider what you, what you're giving them, you know what I mean? What you're feeding them. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. It's like, um, it's almost like, uh, you know, going back to like, buying the chains, buying the shoes and stuff. It's like, it's kind of like glamorizing a certain lifestyle, uh, glamorizing like a certain, um, you know, like kind of the, you know, the things that happen and all the stuff that happens in the neighborhood is kind of like glamorizing it in a way. Yeah. I think for young boys too, like just, and you know, for young boys, especially when they want something to, to go towards, to work towards and like, you know, maybe they don't have a father figure, like just working towards something. They're looking for a mentor. They're looking for like a way of life. And if it's like being glamorized, it's, it's just, it's so easy to see how easy to go into it. And I mean, that's your reality. That's what's around you. Yeah. And I think also when we think about the mind of young adults or, you know, young people, teenagers, it's like a sports car. You know, you, yeah. you can't really break check so easily. So you're just yeah. proven. So it's hard to be able to rationalize a lot of the, a lot of the experiences we have and be able to ground them. So a lot of the stuff that happens is like, bro, these are kids. And yeah. that's where it comes to terms is like, who's responsible for this, you know? 
And a lot of people, they don't, they look on the surface and they're like, oh, the kids are responsible. The parents are responsible. But really there are so many things that created the conditions to where we are today. A lot of systematic challenges that we need to overcome, not only the people in the affected communities, but the people who have created the policies and created the conditions. Um, we, we all have a place within the trauma and healing um, as a greater community and as a people to be able to help support these different areas. Well, I think it's awesome what you're doing, man. Like encouraging the encouraging the art encouraging like the what they have inside of them to come out um and like helping them you know understand that there can be like what they can give you know from that yeah i think that's beautiful thank you i think it's powerful you know like i said i i learn a lot within this line of work and that's the greatest thing that i have to gain from it all more than anything else the lessons that i have here the experiences i have the wisdom that it gives me it's uh it's valuable priceless for sure yeah man um so you mentioned you have some music coming out where can uh, when can people find that yeah um so looking forward to releasing a single here in the next uh, month or so. Just working on a music video for it now. I did release a single recently called Laundry and Philadelphia Free Verse after that. So you got a music video coming out for Philadelphia Free Verse and the new single, new music video on the way. So lots of visuals, lots of music, lots of good stuff. Summer coming up, so performances, all that. But you can find my music on all platforms by my name, Morrison Machiavelli. You can find my social media, everything else from MorrisonMachiavelli.com. So look me up. Not too hard to find. Morrison M. I think it'll pop up from there. Yeah. Check him out, man. I look forward to checking out your stuff. And um, when you release those, that new music as well. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on, man. And, and thank you for sharing all this stuff. And I think, and I've said it a few times, but I think what you're doing is is really awesome. Like really awesome. It's a pleasure and thank you. Um, it's uh, it's really inspirational for me to be able to, to just learn what I've learned and share what, what I have to share and meet other people who can gain from it. So anybody listening, anybody out there who feels they connect, please reach out and connect with me. I greatly appreciate the opportunity to communicate and build community, build those bridges um, connect different cultures. And I look forward to being able to help young people share their stories in the future. And I don't know when this may be a ways out, but I do want to create a podcast. I do want to create a place where I can have these youth as guests and be able to share their different stories and their different experiences. And I think that the create the community we create with the Capo Center is going to help that. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, in the long term, be on the lookout for that. If you connect with me on any social media, when, the, when that time does come, you know, everybody will, will know about it. But that's something I look forward to in the future as well. Sure, man. Yes, check that out. That sounds uh, very awesome. Yeah. Check this stuff out. All right, man. Thanks so much for coming on. 
course, Maddie. Thank you so much.